0: COVID was the mortification of the ego. We interfaced with something that told us, under no circumstances do you have control. Split between science and observation and the more feminine, and seeing that there isn't actually an inherent split. Bringing these two together looks like, oh, I noticed that the sun is sitting in your seventh house. Do you find it really difficult sometimes to feel validated every single time? The person's going to say, oh always we don't need the astrology anymore because the astrology was the portal life is a co-creative experience and intimacy that's why we're so afraid of it because it means death if you want to learn about the sign capricorn don't study the astrology internet go and understand the function of a bark on the tree 21st of december the last 25 years it's now going to be here we needed to deny religion for seeking god up there the aquarius age which is actually no sorry this is what seems to actually create aliveness and if we can agree that we we might differentiate in our perceptions You are truly embodying the new spiritual stage this is going to sound a bit weird but people have ascribed to being addicted to a hardcore drug
1: I just want to jump in real quick do not be worried about sounding weird you're definitely not the weirdest person here especially not even in this conversation so go ahead go. Welcome, Nomads, to the final episode of 2020, my favorite year ever, sarcasm, with episode number 11 of Noetic Nomads. And perhaps it's not a coincidence that we're entering a new year and perhaps a new age, With my guest today, Simon Borster, evolutionary astrologer and human designer, who with his soul partner, Jen, are helping bring to being a whole new way of sense making, which I honestly find fascinating. Simon and I connected through our guest from episode number four of Noetic Nomads, my fellow manifester Monica, and I am so happy we did because this opened up new portals for me. Like many, when I hear the word astrology, I'm like, you mean that horoscope stuff that new agey people used to read in their local newspapers? Why would I be into that? But when I started digging into Simon's work and spoke with him for our episode, I was like, wow, evolutionary astrology may actually not be just a legit meta-modern move. Also, astrologers could be like the ultimate sense makers. Don't believe me? Listen to our episode where we explore the wounded masculine and the rejection of the anima, How I and many others are starting to embody the cyclical sensory and more feminine parts of our being. How the movements of the stars play into that. The way in which evolutionary astrology Astrology bridges the gap between the rational, observational, and the intuitive, and what the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction of December 21st is going to mean for humanity. As always, watch on YouTube and listen on podcasts, follow us at Org on Twitter, and join the bustling new Noetic Nomads Discord community, where a whole bunch of crazy stuff is starting to go down. Check out the show notes for your invite. Alright now let's get into this and say a final farewell to 2020, and officially enter 2021 in a new age, an Aquarian one, with the razor of vibrations himself, Simon Vorster. Our recording. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Noetic Nomads. I'm Albert Kim, definitely the weirdest physical form my soul has ever taken, and the stars must have aligned for us because with me today is a spiritual sage who's leading the charge in humankind's transformation from Homo sapiens into Homo sapiens in transitus. From a very young age, he's curiously sought out what it really is that lies beyond the curtain of reality, searching for the answers to perennial questions such as who am I, why am I here, and what are my lessons? His soul path was met by astrology at the age of 18, and since then, he and his soul partner, Jen, have embarked together on a journey of integration, healing, and awakening, and have co-created and brought to the world their unique gift raising vibrations, a vehicle through which they help nurture other souls in becoming aware of their own journeys throughout time, of what opportunities this lifetime has afforded them to integrate and heal through and remembering who they truly are as spiritual beings on a human quest. Nomads, please help me in introducing a husband, father, founder, world traveler, and a fellow divine being sent here to guide us in a reflection of which already exists within. He is... The one and only Simon Vorster. Thank you so much for so coming much. on today, Simon.
0: Yeah, that that was amazing. That is probably <laughs> one of the, that is by far the coolest uh, intro um, that I've experienced. Um, um, really, really grateful for that.
1: <laughs> oh my God, thank you so much, Simon. I mean, like again, like your background is really interesting. I had a great time uh, and, you know, researching all about you. And again, thank you so much for coming on today and uh, mm. maybe sharing your. A story and insights with our audience mm-hmm. um so i to start also in your own words so how is it that you came across this uh weirdo over here
0: <laughs> well um so so we have a mutual friend uh by the name of monica bravo and uh she had made contact with you or you guys made contact with each other uh, through rebel, rebel wisdom mm. and um i think she yeah she did she did an interview uh, with you And um, in a true manifesto style using human design language, which I'm Mm -hmm. sure we'll get into, um, she initiated uh, this conversation. uh, And so here we are, you know, uh, sharing the space. Mm,
1: Yeah, there have been a lot of synchronicities happening in my life since I started this project. (laughs) And uh, interestingly, um, uh, I I guess I'm going to get into some inside baseball that you actually joined. You actually told to join the Rebel Wisdom community right mm-hmm. as Monica yeah. was about to tell you about it. So uh, I was wondering yeah. how that that how that how came along and what your interest is in uh, Rebel Wisdom and communities such sure. as that.
0: Well, um my interest, uh, which I'm sure many people that came through to Rebel Wisdom was uh, with their documentary with Jordan Peterson. Hmm. And uh, interestingly at the time, I'd noticed Jordan Peterson being somebody that was, I think 2017 to 2018, he was really making... He's also a manifester, mm. um, a lot of impact in in the world. And I didn't pay much attention to it, but I noticed there was a lot of uh, f- like blowback from people who had felt that this person, Jordan Peterson, was, you know, not a good person, et cetera, kind of just left it, didn't really pay attention to it until I'd seen the documentary that they had put together, which was uh, The Glitch in the Matrix. Uh, Yes. And um, so I watched that and then I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And then I started to delve more deeper, like we all do when we go on the internet, into understanding this. And it was through my personal journey within myself around, you know, being a man and understanding this really weird transition that we're all going through at the moment and what it means to heal the masculine side of myself, you know, very big part of my personal story. Um, I'd seen that they had a retreat. And so I was digesting some of Rebel Wisdom's content. I was really vibing with it. Uh, I started to investigate uh, Jordan Peterson's chart, did a whole entire sort of uh, collection of information around it, saw how it was impacting a lot of people that were on the Rebel Wisdom community. And I liked what they were doing. So it was exactly in about three days from today, so on the 23rd, last year, I traveled mm. to the UK uh, to do a Rebel Wisdom retreat. Mm. Um, and that from then onwards, it was just kind of, you know, digging their vibe, uh, checking out what they were doing, just really, in a sense, finding the essence of what their messages, you know, and the, what they hold is something that, that I resonate with. So. I just kind of stayed along with that process and also integrated a tremendous amount of work that they had put through in on that retreat as well.
1: Mm, yeah. Um, doing my research. I saw that um, a big uh, part of your healing journey for you was t- sort of to heal this, this wounded masculine archetype. Um, I found that very interesting. Um, uh, would you be okay with going into what you yeah, meant absolutely. by that?
0: Absolutely. So well, I grew up in an, in South Africa. Who, within the context of our cultural conditioning around patriarchy, would be very close to what, within the context of like the last say 50, 60 years. I grew up in South Africa and was very much a part of a culture that was deeply divided by segregation and very dominant types of authority figures that felt that it was really. Important to maintain control in very brutal type ways. So growing up in South Africa, of course, very close to my actual parents' lineage and and them themselves, their truth and their perceptions of life were rooted in this wounded aspect. So I had two parents who we were deep. The men in my life were very wounded by this, and so of course, you know, that moved on to me. You know, I absorbed that material, and I was very sensitive to this alienation. Uh, within myself around uh, and I actually consider it to be still to this day and I'm working on it a lot, the shadow or the nemesis mm, yeah. the type of masculine that is very assertive, you know, it's very, very dominant, very assertive. Uh, I noticed that I, there, there's a sensitivity there. And So throughout my schooling uh, life and um, growing up, I noticed that there was a very strong sensitivity to, to boys that had a very assertive um, aggressive nature and it was only actually within the last like four years that I really come to understand uh, what that sensitivity was about because it became cultural. You know, yeah, I started yeah. to notice, oh, it wasn't just me. There was actually a large percentage of, I don't even know how to describe it, but it, it I would say just a very distorted reflection or wounded aspect of our masculinity that has not integrated the anima, right? So what mm, yeah. of the masculine side, if we're, if we're using Jung's work here, the anima, has been rejected or neglected and, or basically not in come contact with. And so it was that I came into contact. Ah, okay. Now I'm starting to notice a relationship to my mother starting the relationship to where I deny my feelings. And it kind of just spiraled into a tremendous amount of insights around that. And that's what it means to me personally and how I came into contact with that growing up in South Africa, being very um, exposed to patriarchal truths and values. And then, you know, over the last three years, four years, really coming to understand it fully as to what that means. Mm. Yeah. Does that Thanks. feel, does that, is that clear? Like, uh, Yeah, the, that's, the that's very clear. And it. yeah. And especially when you
1: brought up um, archetypes and uh, when, because uh, like, you know, I'm very, very new to this whole astrology thing. So when I was mm-hmm. diving into your work, it's very intimidating because it's literally <laughs> like learning a whole new language And the thing with um, astrology is like when, if people were just going to jump into it and like maybe watch a random video of yours, and then they would, they would like hear maybe talk about ascending and, and transits. And it would be like, Uh they're like, what is going on? Um, But one thing that I really loved about your work is you really dove deep into like, what is the intent behind all this? It's not just this, it's not just like, I'm predicting, oh, I'm this sign. This is how I am. This is a prediction mm-hmm. of the future. You're really digging into okay, what does it really represent? Why are people, what is the underlying, you know, like urge has driven them into this? And yes. then I believe that. You know, a lot of people have these misconceptions, uh, especially, I would say, in the West, in the United States, at least, of astrology as, like, a certain type of thing. But what you're doing with your work with evolutionary astrology and human design uh, seems to be a d- bit different. So could you yeah. inform an audience, like, what exactly is it about evolutionary astrology and your work that may be different from what they think yeah. is astrology?
0: That's – that's I, I love the question because it opens up a tremendous part of me as a person, you know? Mm. Um, and so whenever I get the opportunity to really talk about that, uh, I, I, get ex, uh, like extremely excited mm. because the core intention behind that type of behavior is deeply rooted in the recognition of the split between science and observation and the more feminine nature mm. of our behavior, yeah. which is more of the abstract going into the unconscious and seeing that there isn't actually an inherent split, mm. right? Yeah. So what tends to happen in our culture in the past with regards to astrology is that a, there hasn't been sufficient amount of communication and recognition as something that can be translated in psychological behavior. Right. Mm, So EA brings that component to the table, you know, so it takes a planet, like for instance, the sun and, you said it perfectly. It is, I am a translator. One of the things that I wrestle with a lot within my work is how to translate the word ascendant into something that actually any person can come onto my video and go, ah, okay, I understand what you mean. That's something that it, that is very big part. It's about trying to bridge between the observation correlation, very scientific mind. that's very rational and the more metaphysical aspect of our nature, which exists as well. All right, so there's been an overemphasis on this right brain experience very it's got a kind of religious connotation to it and you know we have to kind of imagine something whereas my intention is to synthesize the two so a very simple example we could take the sun within the context of the chart in an astrology chart and we can say okay symbolically here's where this position is but if we were to translate it to a practical thing i would say Here's where if you're having a conversation with somebody and you notice that there's a sense of invalidation or you're not feeling aliveness within the conversation, that's the sun. Because the sun represents the part of us that is the light. So, mm. you know, you're having a conversation and the person's just looking on their phone they're not really interested in you. You can feel that sense of, wow, this person's not present with me, right? Mm. You can sense and feel that there is no recognition. There's no validation. And so wherever we have the sun, we're going to have two aspects to it. We're going to have the part of us that feels the sense of this is what I feel is meaningful to me, and then there's also going to be a wounded part around that that's still rooted in the childlike quality of "Will you please see me?" Mm, you know. Yeah. So when you look at somebody's charts and you say, "Oh, okay, well there's a there's a there's a kind of aspect happening again, astrological language to that sun sign," the value in bringing these two metaphysical and then observation behaviorisms together looks like, oh, I noticed that the sun is sitting in your seventh house. Do you find it really difficult sometimes to feel validated in relationships? And every single time the person's going to say, always, Mm. you know, and then that opens up this opportunity for a conversation that's very real for the person. We don't need the astrology anymore because the astrology was the portal. Right. Mm. Yeah. That was yes. it.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, that's that's amazing that you just said that because, like, when I was going over your work, that's kind of like one of the realizations I came to. I was like, "Wow, Simon." Now I know why Monica was telling me to talk to you because it's just like after a while, it's like astrology, and after I get past the fact that it's just astrology and what you're really digging into, I was like. We don't even honestly even need that stuff. It's, all, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, like, because what you're speaking about, it's just like, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, sign me up, Simon, and put me up for, your, you know, all your courses, because like, one thing that uh, really uh, surprised me is that there was a lot of talk um, in like your videos and, and, and all that about how useful it is of, of practicality of like embodiment, uh, you know, and I was like, I was not expecting that, uh, you know, in, you know, something reading, uh, going into astrology. So I was wondering like, what is that utility? Is, Is it, was it something that you've always felt you just wanted to bring something to the world and it wasn't translated well? Or where do you think that comes from?
0: Actually, the translation itself comes from a trauma, which is always the case a lot Mm. with people who find themselves in these types of roles where they feel that there's a a meaning behind what they want to share. So I definitely consider myself to be not uh, an exception in that place. The reason why I picked up astrology within the context of this lifetime was to be able to translate very intuitive understanding of something. I couldn't. It was like there was a deep sense of knowing about things, but the, the ability to articulate it wasn't there and so astrology gives me a tool to be able to in a sense frame stuff that is deeply aware but again, as I allow myself to use the astrology and and I connect with it, it also reminds me of many, many times having conversations with people and ending the sentence with does that make sense? because there is a part of me that can become very abstract and very, uh, non-linear. And there's a part of me that within the context of digging deep can go so far into an anatomical level that what it is that I'm trying to describe or talk about, the person's already disassociated. They've gone like, dude, I don't get it. Mm. Just like the videos. So really the YouTube itself, while it seems like me talking to people saying, Hey, I want to do this because I feel you know a sense of self-importance around talking astrology is actually a mirror for me. And oh, every time yeah. I hear somebody say, I get that, that makes sense. You helped me. I feel that as a feedback loop to say, okay, the idea and the intention I set in the video has landed for people because I know I can talk astrology. I know I can synthesize things, but if the other person says, I found value in that to me, that's more rewarding. Mm. Do you understand? So yeah, there's this kind yeah. of process in which it's actually feeling heard and mm. the trauma is birthed that, that was it burst out of that trauma of really uh-huh. having not feeling heard or seen, in any way whatsoever and so this this platform gives me the opportunity to practice taking very deep concepts and translating them into something where albert can certainly say yeah okay yeah i noticed that in my relationships i tend to struggle with validation okay there's the sun sign sitting there um let's see what else is around that he has a way to actually to to identify what could be important for you or not as an example and so in that way, it becomes, again, translatable and practical mm. and you walk away with value, you know?
1: And like one thing, I mean, just going to my personal, I guess, relationship with astrology and like spiritual yeah. practices in general. Um, I was brought up in a Catholic family. I was born in South Korea and then I moved to the United States and I've lived here yeah. since I was two. And then like a lot of teenagers when I was like 12, 13 years old. I was like okay this catholic stuff this is kind of this kind of not okay I'll, i think it's kind of stupid <laughs> i'm gonna reject it and i just gonna reject the whole spiritual paradigm in general oh. and then along with that uh it's also possibly anything that because even in the adjacent realm such as sure. like in astrology which can mm-hmm. be like I've, I've seen you talk about how like maybe they could all be lumped together but uh over the years i've become more opened up especially i was exposed to more eastern practices and um, I'm getting to the point and like there's this, uh, I guess you could call it a meta-modern. It's like a burgeoning movement um, coming on where instead of, you know, the ma- the modernist paradigm was like, okay, scientific rationalism, empiricism, extremely linear, all of that. And then there's the postmodern, you know, which starts in the art world and, and then uh, goes on with the culture. We're trying to break down the old uh, modernist paradigm like, okay, we got to look at all these other different ways of being and knowing and now True. and like me like I went through that it's kind of like my 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 militant atheism was almost like uh like a modernist and then I was like oh and then I started freeing up and I started moving more into the postmodern but now there's a meta modern where I think yeah. perhaps I don't know if, if, if you think this uh, um agrees with what you may think is that we accept that there are truths but they're not necessarily objective truths and then may, there are modalities that they're stories, right, that we can all buy into sure. and use as a tool to, you know, further whatever it is, while not necessarily being lost in it now this is all coming huh. like, this is all like my own thoughts so i was wondering if you think perhaps like what your what your work is doing with uh, evolution astrology human design is kind of mm. like also kind of like part of this uh, emerging meta modern paradigm i just wonder your thoughts
0: <laughs> okay so we're going to take off a little bit here. we're going to go yeah, sure. a little Let's bit go. deep yeah. and we're going to go into the fringe mm. of awareness and consciousness and um I'm going to try my best to remain as practical as possible relating to real life examples, but also at the same time reveal that there is something beyond our most immediate senses. That's actually driving this. Mm. I'll circle back to the question around what really is about evolution astrology or this material and communication and translation. What was important for me for that? And I talked about it being a trauma. Okay. Mm. And again, evolutionary astrology, it talks about the Sagittarius sign in traditional kind of looking just at the internet, you'll see astrology is described in a very personified way. It's got a human quality to it, you know, Sagittarius fire, blah, 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 blah. Right. Hmm. Whereas Sag from the EA perspective actually says that every single one of us, right. Exists within this sphere of life that is incredibly overwhelming mm. to our brain's function. And to be able to make sense of that, we need a guiding system, a mm. system of thought yeah. that allows us to translate the phenomena of reality. So immediately held within that core understanding of the science of the curious, we disengage any idea of personality quality traits. And we look at functionality and the way that we as Life, and when I say we as life, I mean including human beings as sentient and are connected to everything within this this plane of existence. Trees, everything here—it's all part of an ecosystem that is, in a sense, of a greater, greater ecosystem that is an archetypical realm. Okay, so we have this archetypical realm, and within that we have life. So human beings within the, the the construct of this archetypical life, the Sag sign is our capacity to try to make sense of reality using an organizing system okay Mm, yeah we need that sense of identity right that's why religion will have a lot of people who will align with its philosophy system it gives them an identity and at the root of that there is security very primal need for that that safety right Mm, so philosophy gives these two things So that being said, we, me particularly in terms of trauma, I used a philosophical system as an overlay to make sense of the world. Now, why did I need that? It was a protection mechanism. It was a a deep disassociation from early enough childhood trauma, the loss of the parent, all of these types of things. It just, Mm. I just naturally went into, escaped into that world. Jung calls this the, the, the natural relationship between the core of the self, which is, again, something that's not a personality, but just the core of your being, and then how we constellate an idea of ourselves in relation to how we meet life. So as a two-year-old, we'll adventure out, away from home, we'll come back and we'll have a set of experiences in relation to this moving away from, from safety, experiencing something and then coming back. So I needed this core philosophy. And I would say that every single one of us needs this because the function of the psyche itself and the core self, if we had to just draw a circle, it it needs to interrelate with the phenomena of reality. Our brain needs to be able to map reality. Mm, So we need this structure, this map of reality, Sagittarius. Okay, So we all need it. Now, fast forward to where we are today in terms of the complexity of these changing models of thinking because there's such a diversity in our ability to express our thoughts opinions because of the internet Mm -hmm. we have an onset of ideas thoughts and perspectives now becoming even uh, more available and people are in this sense from from where i stand you know we're all aligning with certain truths but of course truth itself is not static by nature Mm, again from my perspective very limited when I say static by nature is is that it's always in a constant process of, it might be true at this moment, but, you know, we could come into some information that could then adjust the understanding of that. And so therefore we would say, okay, what we thought was true is now something completely, you know, untrue. And so therefore this new entire arcing sense of, of truth or awareness um, trumps that. And then we develop more structure of thinking around that. Right. So I see this kind of uh, trickling of uh, energy as it were, consciousness, that's just expanding, expanding. And as we're expanding, or as that energy expands, so does it broaden our umbrella, which is the philosophical structure that we would use. And of course, part of the philosophical structure is a narrative. In other words, how do we be able to intellectualize this very stratosphere of ideas, right? So the narrative is the connection between the two. And so in a sense, with the broad stroke expression of the internet and the capacity for us to share these ideas of course it would be natural for us to start to have conflict around different ideas and different perspectives being available present and us tapping into them and that i think in and it itself creates what you were talking about which is narratives and then they adjust and then we become more aware of stuff and then somebody disagrees with that and you know it becomes very much this this stratosphere of different ideas and different perspectives existing and then having its life of its own so that being said, <laughs> I love to Keep going. This is amazing. Yeah. Good <laughs> that being said with, with, in terms of the fringe from an EA perspective or evolutionary astrology point of view and, and looking at um, some of the Eastern philosophies, particularly around uh, the Yuga cycles. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure if you're familiar oh, with the Yuga cycle. Like Kali or, Yuga and all that. Yeah. Precisely. Yes, yes. Exactly. So they have, there, there's an interconnection between um, our solar system and its rotation around a larger star system. I, I can't, I'm, I'm not very specific on the language around the astronomy of it, but there is a considerable amount of research I have on my PC that speaks to the science behind what the Kali Yuga cycle would represent or X, Y, Z. Mm. So getting to the point here with regards to this next phase was, so we would have these greater cycles, just like we would have the sun and the moon cycle right? Of course, mm. our solar system moves through these cycles. And so it's not an uncommon phenomena within Eastern philosophies to be able to recognize very distinct expressions in human consciousness relative to these cycles. Mm. Okay. Mm. The last 2000 years, humanity has moved through what is called the Virgo Pisces age. Okay. Now this is deeply misunderstood from a very disassociated right brain abstract non-linear lacking critical thinking expression of astrology and and especially within within just the consensus thinking it's like what do you mean Virgo Pisces age age of Aquarius what does that mean Mm -hmm. right people just kind of share it out now but what what we're actually talking about here is very distinct behavior patterns within the human experience that's related to religion and the reason why is because the Pisces sign itself is a, is a reflection of consciousness that is deeply rooted in surrender. Okay. Mm. It's deeply rooted in the behavior of surrender. So it's like, it is the process in which, when, which we do not have any boundaries. And so our relationship to the experience is a sense of surrendering to something. Okay. Mm. Boundaries equal our ability to give us autonomy. And so this, this boundary nature, I'm, I'm, of really being broad with this process but this subject is probably one of the most fascinating to me Mm. um, in in explaining these things and you can see that in my explanation of this and because it's so intimate with me you can see the trauma because this is how i have hyper rationalized the context of life relative to a system that has given me a sense of orientation to the world Mm. and yet the fundamental essence of embodiment is gone because it's too mental and that All is what right. the embodiment process is it's coming back into the feminine it's becoming it's going mm-hmm. like okay cool fantastic you're pisces age religion does it change the the price of milk no mm-hmm. you know so okay well what does the meaning of my most immediate existence reflect in in relation to this more greater cycle well probably not much in terms of an overarching 2000 year process but if i connect with what's real for me and what's alive for me and how that's moving through me every single day. And I essentially integrate with that. Well, then there's a small piece of a 70 year, 80 year potential life um, in which there will be some meaning. You know, and specifically born at the time that I was born and the time I'll live to witness certain cycles, well, that will be a reflection of the more embodiment process, right? Accepting my own mortality and, and and these things. So I hope that's not too abstract, but just kind of circling back to, while it is amazing to spend time in this very profound abstract world of understanding cycles and how they've impacted our societies and our worlds and our belief systems, mm. um, there's also... Just coming back to right where i am in the moment and that was that was me healing my trauma that was the moment where i realized okay this is the actual purpose of my work because it, it didn't help that i would be able to answer all the questions in a very hypothetical way when my dad passed but when i didn't actually tap into the grief or the repressed anger or the sadness that i realized that it doesn't help with these deep philosophical structures even if i would spent time you know in them it was what was real for me in terms of that relationship that really brought me into my, into my humanity, you know, and that's coded in the astrology at any point in time that you feel that you want to jump in and share some thoughts, et cetera, please feel, but, but for me, uh, I will just kind of just, you know, express.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, that was, uh, that was beautiful. Like I could have uh, sat there and listened all day, which, you know, I'm not surprised with your YouTube channel and watching your videos and like, yeah, that's. There's one thing that I wanted to touch on that you mentioned, sure. um, you talked about, you know, the, the cyclical you know, nature of the universe itself. And of sure. one thing that I came across is you talked about uh, how we have a cognitive sense of awareness now and that mm-hmm. we used to look at the skies and relate to it in a very feminine way. Now I find Mm -hmm. that very, very interesting, especially as you brought it up because uh, what I'm trying to do with my Nordic Nomads project is actually, I wanna bring more of the feminine or yin uh, energy uh, sure. the ways being and knowing, uh, into the culture, into the spotlight, and that that's just not just through you know, uh, female guests, but also like the feminine ways of, of, of being and knowing, like we were talking about. So, yeah. I just wondering if you, we could explore and if you could speak on uh, what exactly do you mean by these masculine, feminine, cognitive versus sure. other ways of knowing the circular view of uh, nature.
0: Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. So, um, let's 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 talk a little bit about. Uh, well, I'll, I'll introduce human design, and again, I'm very aware of the fact that a lot of these concepts might be new to some people that, that are watching your your channel. Mm. And so, I'm gonna try to remain as practical as possible. But I can promise you right now that's when you jump into exploring the cosmology that is human design and the cosmology that is EA. All of these profound understandings, just that they're, I know this is going to sound a bit weird, but people would, not that I've been on this experience, absolutely, but people have almost in a sense uh, ascribed to being addicted to a hardcore drug. You know Mm. when you when you expose yourself to the philosophies of like particularly human design in terms of its cosmology and how it describes the 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 stars and um, the relationship to neutrinos and how they are actually what is coding our DNA and we think this is happening here but really it's actually a transition of something completely different. So I'm going to jump into that. Oh yeah,
1: I just want to jump in real quick, Simon. Do not be worried at all about sounding weird. Anyone who's watched any of my videos know how weird I am and like all the crazy stuff. Like, and I I talk about all the time about like how I'm like, I'm emptying myself and being like a vessel of the universe. And I feel like this whole Noetic Nomads project is like the, the universe speaking through me. So trust mm-hmm. me, trust cool. me, you're definitely not the weirdest person <laughs> here, especially not even in this conversation. So don't worry about cool. it. So go ahead. Cool.
0: Yeah. That's that's good. I liked what you talked about there, by the way, because that would be a very practical reflection of embodiment of wisdom of, of natural feminine qualities, right? Really allowing yourself to be mm. receptive to yeah. um, insights, impulses, and and allowing yourself to almost be in a co-creation with life and seeing it not as something that is um, separate from us, but in a very symbiotic way, you know, always in consistent relation to, to what life is presenting to us. And we might translate that uh, using the system of H- human design as, you know, your aura, you can use EEA as this is your soul. It doesn't matter either way, as long as you're really in touch with and communion with life, as it presents you with synchronicities mm. ultimately. Right. And, and following that path. So in a sense, you don't even need any of these systems unless, and as long as you can really connect deeply with that intimate realization that life is a co-creative experience of an intimacy that's why we're so afraid of it because it means death you know our ego surrenders its sense of influence over its of music environment to the realization that we're in an intimate co-creating experience and there are awarenesses and and the morphogenetic field if you want to use more scientific exposure but these these states are here and when we allow ourselves to tap into them and tune into them and drop into the, the emotional body, we're actually t- able to tap into that space. And, mm. you know, that, that's a very profound place to be. And I wouldn't say that it's something that we're always consciously able to do all the time because we have outside distractions. So EUA would define that as separating desires um, so, yeah, just wanted to kind of talk to you a little bit mm. about how you were talking about this feminine nature and integrating it. And, and that's very much a, a, a reflection of that process, what you were sharing. Mm. So if I were to use the system of human design to be able to articulate this profound relationship between living life as society through symbolism, right? We, we can just look back at history in terms of different civilizations. We can think of the, the Egyptians as an example, using symbolic language to, to translate the phenomena of what it is that their culture and their civilization was experiencing, you know, to me, there's something really profound about the Egyptian culture in the sense that they were really tapping into this idea of afterlife and reincarnation. And essentially what I consider to be something really profound, and I'd love to share it. Which is this relationship to the human experience being about transcending death and living in eternity. okay? So there's this deep kind of process that we're all on in some way shape or form, able to tap into living beyond our physical senses. right? So a way that we could uh, translate that in more physical terms would be the, the idea of Jung's ideas. He's not here physically but the nature of his essence is transcended his physical life. Mm, And he is now immortal within the constellation of our own worldview, just as other people that have got profound impact on our cultural awareness, they exist within our constellation. If we had to see our life as a constellation, there are stars that are embedded into our constellation that we draw attention from whenever we invoke that energy. Mm-hmm. and to me the egyptians kind of really represented this process of uh, immortality if you look back at civilizations you can see that we've always had this very intimate relationship between the the motion of the sky and what and how it how it impacted life on earth you know people would tend to not grow their crops during the winter period because they recognized that when the sky was at a specific point this would indicate cold weather you know this is pretty much how astrology was used in the past, very feminine nature, you know, very, very respectful of cycles, very in tune with the way that the earth would change its behavior in relation to seasonal shifts, you know, yeah, and kind of really tune in with that. It's sensory based, right? Whereas more of the masculine approach would be to notice using our mind and to measure things. So we would invent the clock, we'd invent the, the, the watch, And we would use a Monday to Friday kind of behavior in which we, on Monday, this is, we named it Monday even. And then we had from seven o'clock until five o'clock, we would work, right? Mm, Yeah. yeah. It's very left brain, logical, very linear in its nature. But how you feel on that day is a very feminine principle, Mm. right? Mm. Um, so we really much defined our days based on our ability to, to create coordinates using our left brain, the small masculine process, but that's not being in touch with something. If think about the feminine nature, you know, if your dad had a very feminine quality, you would sense that he would be very soft with you, but that would be generally associated just generally associated with mom's behavior, right? Because not only did she birth you, but she, you would associate her soft touch on your skin as nurturing. Right, So we already know that the feminine quality has got something that's about sensitivity. It's about softness. It's about calming down just for a moment, just taking it all in, just really feeling what's present for me right now. No intention, just really, really present as opposed to, anchoring the masculine in more and coming more up to the throat and wanting to express very, you know, looking up and, and seeing like a tree, for instance, it grows up like that, but without its roots, it's not going anywhere. Mm, yeah. Right. You know, you can see the beauty. And that's what EA did for me. It allowed me to say, Hey, by the way, or at least when, when Jeffrey Wolf Green, who is, the, who brought through evolutionary astrology, he was like, this is not something that where he had to prove. It's a mere observation correlation mechanic. And so it's rooted in nature. You know, if you want to learn about the sign Capricorn, don't study the astrology internet. Go and understand the function of a bark on the tree. And I was like, Mm. oh, every being in my cells just got. And that's why, that's why to me, when I talk about astrology, I don't, I don't think about it in the sense of what I've learned in a book. I go and study nature. And then I come back and I say, oh, okay, Neptune and this is transiting here. The combination of those two archetypes are going to represent that, (laughs) Mm, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah I just brilliant. want to add in like that, that is brilliant it is uh, what I came across uh, in, in in when I was doing my research is like, what you talked about there, about if you want to learn about this, uh, you just study the bark of a tree. And then um, the example you gave was, for example, what parts of nature represent what signs and what archetypes. And for example, you mentioned the skin and you're like, okay, what does the skin represent? And you said it represents Capricorn. Why? Because uh, <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's, like, it's, it's hardness. It's like a shield, like the bark on a tree uh, represents Capricorn and what the, the archetype of Capricorn. And then, then you also went on to say, okay, now what's the opposite sign on the chart? Sorry, first, I just want to apologize if I'm butchering any of this. I'm sorry. No, I'm you're good. To, you're good. Okay. I love it. For example, the opposite sign of Capricorn on charts was cancer uh-huh. and what emerges out of the context of boundaries and protection of Capricorn, it was uh, safety, security, uh, alignment, uh, nourishment, nurturing It was like uh, you you refer to it as squishiness. It is uh-huh. the it is the uh, skin. It is the bark. It is the hardness of Capricorn, which uh-huh. affords. Uh, this squishiness, the, that which we want to protect and nurture. So I, th- right. I just wanted to add that that was, I thought that was really fascinating. Uh, yeah. That how we, you study nature, and then that's that's when you, you don't start from astrology necessarily, and then nature. You go from nature, and then oh, astrology. If, yeah, if I'm exactly. getting that from properly,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and to to as you shared that right now, you know, thoughts popped into my head where I was thinking that. I kind of use the astrology language to translate that deep intuitive knowing, but there's a part of me that feels like it's a necessity to reach people in terms of where they are when they're seeking astrology. And that's, what's really actually interesting about what I mean, when I say that to me, astrology is the gate, the opening portal to this unconscious space and the, the language itself allows me to translate that deep intuitive knowing of those things or observations. And ultimately, if I was going to say, you know, if you really want to go and study astrology or like my students, for instance, I'd say the best place to start is to just be very conscious of life because it is that mm. it's it, oh. we've just used our left brain to kind of compartmentalize stuff. But when we anchor the feminine into the process here, yeah, we allow it to teach us let nature be the teacher for us. You know, yeah, exactly. I just sit and say, can you tell me what to do? And it goes, yes, here we go. And I'm like, okay, thank you very much.
1: <laughs> yeah. One thing you mentioned is that like in, when I was looking up your work is that you talked about how like humanity hasn't had the integration over the past uh, thousand years or so of spiritual teachers. And I don't know, like, sure. I guess we could uh, put religion into that. Maybe we could even mm-hmm. put like uh pre EA astrology into that and like, and that this hasn't allowed us the initiate the younger parts of ourselves into the process Mm -hmm. of what life is about. And that, that uh, may be very curious. And could you please speak more on this? Like, what do you mean by initiating the younger parts of ourselves? And also my own thought is, is there some relation here with like the disappearance of rites of passage in the modern world?
0: I wonder if that was related. hundred percent. That's exactly what I mean. Hmm. It is. So for instance, let me give an example. Okay. So um, we have society's expectations and ideas of what it means to be successful. So generally speaking, by the time we get to the age of 30, uh, the cycle of your soul's life will have reached a point in which this is a very big landmark. And this landmark is a passage from a sense of freedom and exploration and lostness to a point in which you start to recognize your own mortality. Mm, okay. In a very okay. sobering type of way. It's like, well, okay, so what am I going to do with my education? What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with this? And so what generally tends to happen around the ages of twenty eight and thirty-three is in a very unconscious way, no no judgment, but very unconscious way, we buy a house, we get married, we commit to something. Now on the surface, it looks like a tradition that we all do as, you know, oh, that person's getting married. So therefore I need to get married as an example. Yeah. Okay. So there's, there's, there's this kind of pattern of, of reflection in our behavior relative to these uh, points that when we see society and we go, okay, that person's doing that. So i got to do that. Right. But really what's actually happening beneath the surface is a very big, we're reaching what is called the Saturn return and from the perspective of um, seeing the soul and the soul as this journey and not the not our personalities and what we've been told to be, et cetera, but what the soul's journey is. Mm, In other words, what no. is your emotional development? Why are you here? That point correlates to coming home. It correlates to you've journeyed out into the world and you've experienced all the things you've experienced. And now this energy is pulling you back into the womb. You're coming back to the place Okay, Mm. that is the place that you originally came from, and in that two-year period, it's gonna feel like restriction. It's gonna feel like you're weighted down. You're gonna feel like you're depressive. You're gonna feel like there's this there's heaviness that is with you, and so a lot of people resist that because our society, and this is the point, has been shaped by a very masculine only behavior mechanism, which is ambition. Mm, Right. We're seeking God up there. And so therefore Mm. we translate that as I haven't got my BMW yet. Therefore I'm not part of whatever thing. So I value myself in relation to this external structure of value systems. And the reason why we haven't been able to really kind of confront that as a collective is because a) we didn't even know that there was anything beyond that or Mm. that we existed beyond that because of um, the very, and again, I speak this in a very Broad and very general sense, because of course, there are a lot of other aspects and people that have not had this. But for mostly the children's relationship to the mother and that early attachment, psychologically and emotionally, wasn't nurtured in a way that it would be ideally wanting to be nurtured, which is at least for the first three years of your life to be very, very consistently told by your mom and your dad, Hey, I love you. You're going to be safe. Mm. And here's how you can adventure. So that sense of core self gets fractured. And so we start to then take in all of the traumas that we as a society have. And it's very much rooted in go to daycare. Mom, dad's going to go work and we'll see you once in a while, as opposed to this very intimate connection of consistent love and appreciation, Mm. because from the two-year-old's perspective, it's not going, dad, mom, I can really see the importance in your work right now. And I can see why you're putting me in this place where there's lots of faces. I have no idea who they are. And you wonder why at the age of 28, we have trust issues. Mm, wow. because our attachment yeah. right so uh, this is entire lostness of our humanness through this extensive um search for meaning existentially, and how we've lost our way in terms of who we really are at the heart of our senses. And this is kind of returning to us and, and through crisis, it always emerges through crisis. And that's mm, a lot of the yeah. reason as to why John Viveki's work, um, you know, and many other people that are on the Rebel Wisdom platform are speaking in these winds. And that's why a lot of people are actually seeking. Because mm-hmm. while this crisis is taking place, it's fracturing our comfort zones, it's fracturing our sense of, this is how things have always been and it's opening doorways to parts of ourselves that we didn't give attention to because of this lostness that mm. has been with embedded within our psyche, within our constellation. Because again, you know, this is just ancestral material.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is like, I think I mean, the reason that I created this, right? The reason that we're doing this work, we're talking rebel wisdom like from what like speaking of rebel wisdom i believe they've more than doubled their membership since uh the start of of, of oh. covid like it's mm-hmm. it's going crazy and i don't know if you're aware of the stoa they've mm-hmm. been birthed from this i was birthed i could say that maybe nomads was birthed from rebel wisdom and stoa it's like mm-hmm. it's like it's like I'm, I'm i'm like a product of that and again like mm-hmm. we're going through this you know, transition phase. And it's what like, you know, like, you know, Daniel Schmuckberger and the Game B movement, they talk about how like we're either going to, you know, uh, progress into a higher state of order and complexity, but, you know, there's the possibility, of course, at this inflection point that we may actually collapse into a lower uh, state of order complexity. And, you know, who knows from there? And and, uh, one thing that I came across, I believe it was your very first video. uh, It had to do with Jupiter in Cancer. Back uh-huh. in 2014, and I thought that had, a, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's funny because like that video back then, six years. Talk about right now. I mean, how it couldn't be more pertinent, and how you're talking about how, like, again, like, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to butcher it, but it's no, basically you, you how go,
0: you go ahead. Okay,
1: <laughs> okay. So it's basically how this Jupiter in Cancer. It was basically we were in uh, this, 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 this transition. This was maybe allowing us to be more intuitive and connected mm-hmm. to the earth to nature and to be open sure. like we were talking about about to feminine ways of knowing and to mm-hmm. becoming more natural and grounded and aligned with uh, uh the natural world around us and yeah. so i was wondering uh like how that relates if that relates to anything that's happening now and also with human design also the the move from the uh saturnian way of being to the uh uranium from the seven to the nine, so yes. I just, yes. it seems like, like it's not. I'm not surprised that you're into all these because they all seem to be related,
0: yeah. There's 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 tons of content here, and um, you know, let's let's just let's just you know, explore yeah, you know what I mean, right? It's yeah. just it's just ton. This is my inner child is fully lit at the moment when mm. it comes to expressing <laughs> these things, you know, mm. um. Okay, so let's, let's talk about, I, was, I wanted to just respond quickly to the Rebel Wisdom Movement um, and many of the, the kind of uh, parallels that are drawn in relation to trying to make sense, right? So sense-making. Mm. So from my position, understanding evolutionary astrology, when I see the word sense-making and the collapse of sense-making within the constellation, I attribute it to the sign Neptune that's transiting through the constellation Pisces okay mm. and it takes 144 years for this planet to move through the entire zodiac so when it reaches the same point again uh, we generally tend to see a complete decay so neptune in nature is the archetype of something that decays all right mm-hmm. uh, another way to see neptune would be yeah you have a, a city or like a small town it's got, it's booming it's vibing there's a lot of spirits there it's alive right mm. 60 years on, and you go back to that place and there's nothing there. People have moved on. There's a sense of windows that have been broken. People have maybe found some shelter in there that haven't got homes. As an example, you can see it's kind of become derelict. That is the process, that is the literal, the best, best literal expression of Neptune. Mm. Because it, it talks about the behavior of something that feels that the spirit is there, and then, when things move on, the spirit moves on. What is remaining is the absence of spirits. So it looks depressive, an absence of meaning. What is the meaning of this? And what happens? It's very past tense nature. And also, it shows how things, when the, when it's not maintained in the physical world, they decay. Mm. Okay. So Neptune's transit through Pisces takes 144 years to go through. And when that planet moves through any sign, it, it reveals what has decayed. It reveals what has lost meaning. And it also, at the same time, it also points to where the new meaning exists. Now the Neptune archetype, the best description of it in terms of how we experience it psychologically is if you have a Neptune transit, what it will look like in your day is like, wow, I feel very kind of ungrounded. Like, you know i'm 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 trying to make sense of something but my brain's not working i feel like i'm having brain fog right that's because the nature of neptune when it permeates your awareness it's very much like fog as it moves through it doesn't have substance but it also creates a tremendous amount of confusion and clarity at the same time so clarity would represent a complete insight that just in the moment you'd go wow because you feel the surge of incredible awareness that moves through um, and of course, whatever it is that you become aware of, at the same time, you're also struggling to make sense of. Mm. So this, this idea of us losing sense of reality at this point in time is very much attributed to this transit of Neptune that has been in the sign of Pisces for the last 10 years. And okay. what is it correlating to? Well, it's correlating to the fact that what had meaning for us is no longer there. And everybody that is emotionally and psychologically attached to the old will experience a loss of meaning that will lead to a crisis. Mm. And what is our identity rooted in our philosophy? What is our sense of survival rooted in our philosophy? So if we have a crisis through loss of meaning, it sends us deep into the most primal nature of our needs, Mm. you know, how we're going to survive being one of them. And of course, it also correlates to, I love this term, and I, uh, there's going to be a video that I'm going to do really, really soon to to explain the current uh, transit of Neptune through Pisces, and it talks about the mortification of ego. Uh, COVID, for instance, was the mortification of the ego for us as a collective, because what happened was we interfaced with something that told us by under no circumstances do you have control, right? Right. It literally, it felt like that all of a sudden you're going to work, you're getting your Starbucks coffee, et cetera. And then the next minute you're having to sit online on zoom, trying to make calls with people and everybody was going crazy and you would find people going, wow, this is such an inconvenience it's a death experience of our attachment to the, it's a death experience of our attachment to the behavior mechanisms that we are as human beings. Cause mm-hmm. we're still biological by nature. We still have a limbic system. We still have very cognitive features that want to be able to have everything operates in a sequential way, but the universe is like, dude, we don't work like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It doesn't, it doesn't operate like that. So yeah. this mortification of the ego is a Neptunian experience. And when, you lose a sense of self you go through a passage of complete lostness you feel lost and so you can't make sense of things can you mm-hmm. so we're just experiencing it at a collective level you know so i sit back and i watch this and many other astrologers that are kind of tuned into that will just do the same they'll be like yeah you know it's nothing actually to be alarmed about but it it is funny and i don't mean this in disrespect it is funny to observe how it drives us crazy because we're trying to make sense of something that is so incredibly complex that it reveals to us the structure of how our mind works. Mm. So what I really want to say here in the in closing of that is it's really interesting to me. And you watch a video at the beginning of the year. I actually took a time off where I was like, I'm not going to do this because I can see how I would do it myself is when COVID came along, every single person on YouTube relative to their channel came up with a version of their experience of what they thought it was or how this mm-hmm. was going to change yeah. in every way whatsoever and if you got to just sit back and just observe it from this bird's eye perspective you got to see the multi-dimensionality of how we try to process reality but nobody really knows actually what's going on you can mm-hmm. only filter it through your own perspective including me <laughs> mm-hmm. you know exactly and it, it was it was really interesting to observe this intense ability to try and make sense of things and how we were trying to rationalize it. And this leads me into human design in the sense that I'm going to pause there and just kind of invite you to anchor in what was one of the questions that we were talking about, just so I can kind of touch base with it.
1: I I saw the first video you ever made. I believe Mm. it was a Jupiter. (laughs) It was a Jupiter in Cancer and then going from the Saturnian to Uranian. Uh, And I just want to add my point in there, which I thought was very interesting about about how you said, oh, astrologers just sat back like, yeah this is normal we expect this and i'm like wow like you like so it's like we could have maybe the astrologers evolutionary and perhaps other schools being like hey everybody come along and like we could help steward you into the next age and i this is i guess why you're here the synchronicity brought mm-hmm. you here so again continue i'd love to hear more yeah
0: absolutely well the the weird thing about it is Albert, is that i would sit and i would say to you that yeah i sit back and i watch this but when Geoffrey Wolfgreen and particularly Ra Uhu, who brought through human design, mm. he was like, dude, by 2027, humanity is going to really struggle.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah, I saw really that really date. Struggle. I saw that year. I, I was very uh-huh. curious about that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I did a lecture in 2008 uh, in the States on that time and what transits would be taking place. It was super cool in terms of understanding how it correlates to the Saturn-Uranus transits. Mm. Okay. So let's see if I can kind of um, ground this for us. Okay. That video with Jupiter transit through cancer in the, the core truth of EA, the cancer archetype has three abstract points in it. Okay. So imagine that there's a, there's a bowl like this and in that bowl are three abstract points. Okay. Mm-hmm. That speak to in more practical terms, a current of awareness that filters through the human experience as to why we need this deep sense of connection to earth. I mean, it, it, I, I don't even know how to, that's why I haven't attempted to even try to talk about this because it's it unless you actually truly, truly want to sit down and pay attention to it and you have three hours to talk, it will make sense. But they're called planetary nodes. So every planet in the chart has also points in which it has an evolutionary intention. Mm, okay. So everybody that studies astrology will know that they have a moon, a south node and a north node. But EA goes, hey, by the way, actually, there's this whole entire spectrum in which every planet has a nodal axis. And these positions, Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, sit in the constellation Capricorn. Mm. And these deep planetary node points usher our awareness. In other words, the best way to describe it is: you know how you got a record player and it's got those grooves in it? Mm, Yeah. Okay. Planetary nodes are those grooves. And they essentially hold our awareness. And so our awareness mm, is filtered okay. through these two signs. Yeah. So when you have planets, or particularly at that point, Jupiter move through that groove within that constellation, what it does is it awakens us collectively. Mm. Okay. It awakens us collectively. And it was at a point in which there were aspects and transits taking place that was revealing where we have attachments to the old ways of doing things. In a very simple term, it revealed where we would be sensitive and become cognizant of patterns deeply buried within our psyche from a humanitarian perspective, not just individually, but us as a collective, where we have these just behavior mechanisms and we say, oh yeah, this is how things are. Well, these planets came along and said, this is the end of the line. It no longer goes forward like this. And so that represented a massive shift 2014 was a massive shift in terms of energetic direction. And while at that time, it didn't appear to be something that was legitimately real, we're seeing the ramifications of those transits now today, Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, that is unresolved complex trauma that is materializing into the collective in which there hasn't been a right balance of energy. So what you're seeing here is the shadow quality, the displaced emotional trauma that is coming into our collective that we need to process. And that Jupiter transit was the culprit. It was the one that came along and said, okay, I'm going to bring this to the surface. And it needed to be sewn into our culture to be able for us to actually see it in a more tangible way. So... That was a really profound uh, period of time. It was a planetary node activation. And again, I've talked about it briefly on my, my channel, but I uh, suppose I'm the only one amongst maybe a few other people that really study that, that get to see that in that way. But it is my hope soon to be able to try and translate that. Mm, interesting.
1: And is there like um a correlation again with the... Uh saturnian and the the uranian or is this because i know that's like a far uh, longer time scale i believe that started in 1781 yes. right yes. and then like uh if, you, if this is this, uh if there's any sort of uh relation with what's going on and the uranian versus saturnian is there anything with that
0: yes there there, there is and it it has to do with the generation of people that were born between 19 uh 1991 and 1995 so there was a there was a very Hmm. distinct planetary activation that took place between two planets uranus and neptune they moved through the sign of capricorn um and so what they did was they brought through this awareness they brought through into our collective awareness um technology essentially right? That it completely changed the landscape of our society. So it impregnated us with awareness. And that's why you'll see between 1991 and 1999, a tremendous amount of explosion of technology. Windows Explorer, Microsoft became even more popular, Netscape, the internet, uh, cell phones came in. We became very conscious of this new impregnated energy that came in here. In fact, at the 21st of December, Um, we'll have what is called the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction. It will happen in the sign of Aquarius. And this sign will speak deeply to the integration from a necessity perspective of what the last 20 years have been like. I will even go as far as to say the last 25 years that we've been moving through, it's now going to be here, integrated into our culture. And the way that you'll see that is... um, The prime minister of of the UK was instead of going to the House of Commons to go and do whatever they do there, he was actually on a big TV screen in the House of Commons on his Zoom call. Mm -hmm. And it was like, even the politicians need to use technology to be able to now do the things because of COVID. And you'll watch that. You'll just see an explosion of necessary integration of technology into our society. And those that don't do it just becomes extinct. And so the significance of that Saturn your honest transit that took place was the onset of what I would, would Ra calls, and it's, it's fascinating to discover, the onset of um, our awareness to begin perceiving reality beyond the physical. So mm, if you observe from that period onwards, Nietzsche amongst age of enlightenment, all of that type of stuff became more prevalent within our psyche, but it was very youthful, to very young. I would say probably from December 21st onwards, we will get to see the significance of that impact in uh, 1781 because now we're sitting, okay? And the Saturn realm is, I'm not in your same country. That's the Saturn, that's the boundary, right? It's the Mm. physical awareness. We're not having a podcast discussion where you're sitting over there and we can shake hands. The Uranian realm is the capacity to sit in a completely different time zone And be present through this morphogenetic field and tap into awareness without boundaries that's what that represented and now we live in it because we have the technology and that was instilled from 1993
1: up until today yeah that that completely (laughs) dovetailed oh and when you're talking about oh how like it had to do with like our um i guess identity or or this 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 way of being that's beyond just the physical. And then we're sitting here on, on Zoom because, you know, because this is but still we connect. And one of the themes that like I've been doing with all my uh, with all my conversations and all my connections with people. This is crazy. I don't know if this is the same for you, but before COVID hit, I was really disconnected um, from everyone. I'm not just like with like the society or the people around me, even my own family members. Like, you know, I would live close to them and I would just I would just feel disconnected. However, after COVID hit and I was forced to basically sit in my apartment all day and, you know, cause, cause literally, cause they're like, okay, if you go out there, we're going to put you in jail, we're going to find you or whatever. And its just like, I've never felt more connected with other people, even no. though these physical barriers and that's me. And I'm like, this is, this, am I the only person I've talked to many people, including guests and like, yeah, I feel the same way. So it's crazy. It's been like a forcing function. And mm-hmm. from the, like I said, from the astro- astrological point of view, they're like, oh yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. It's yeah like, pretty this much. That's right. <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is pretty much what's happening. And I think that's, I think that's amazing. And again, that's why I'm so grateful you're here and speaking to us. And mm-hmm. so what I wanted to move into uh, speaking sure. about um, identification with something more than the physical, Amr, uh, you, you spoke about how like a lot of the tools, you know, with spirituality, especially in the West, a lot of tools that are inviting us to exit the physical realm and kind of enter the non-physical, it can lead sure. to a lot of misunderstanding, confusion, uh, you know, skepticism and whatnot. Sure. And that it's it's like this relation between the personal identity structure in the physical realm and the spiritual. It's like this 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 relation may be what's contributing to, to perhaps this 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 conflict. So I was wondering if we could just go over like the notion of of, of spirituality and how we should how we should be in relation with all mm. this, whether physical, spiritual, the transpersonal, transpiritual. I was just wondering. Sure, know.
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um, again, it's not a coincidence that people like Jung, for instance, would be very much associated with uh, rebel wisdom. And mm-hmm. a tremendous amount of what uh, influences, or you know, people find uh, relation to him. Uh, another person. Who I encourage you to to go and investigate is James Hillman, James Hillman brilliant James um, psychotherapist. Uh, you, you he's old now. Who else? Who I'd encourage you to to check out? We know about Freud in that way. Joseph Campbell, right? Uh, Joseph of, Campbell, yes,
1: yes, yes, definitely. Yeah?
0: Okay. Yeah. So, in the context of why I started there, my point and reference is. Pluto was discovered in 1930, okay, and Pluto is the planet that is furthest away from the sun within the context of our identified solar system, Mm. and in fact, there's a video that I've got on my channel where it talks about the astronomy of Pluto in relation to our solar system, and how, if we translate that to the human psyche, what we're seeing here with the onset of Pluto's discovery is the awareness in our collective field of our unconscious. And particularly the unconscious attachment to what drives us, okay? And disempowerment, et cetera. I would say that in the turn of the century, with Pluto's discovery and taking into consideration the Uranian field becoming more conscious, and I remember Jordan. Hall or Jordan Green. I can't remember uh, which one he goes by anymore, but he okay, talked about- Hall now, yeah. I'm yeah, Hall, okay. Yeah. So he talked about the, we're not in a Saturnian Kronos state, but more in a Kairos state. And mm, I had a synchronicity, yeah. I think two days ago, where some astrologer was defining their work as Kairos. And I was like, yes. To me, that is in the most simplistic terms, the the response to, to that, the suggestion to that in terms of the new spirituality is- and I'm going to add the human design stuff here, which just, oh, I love it so much, but it, you really need to be open-minded to understand this process. You, I mean, as in people, right? Yeah. Is that this Kairos notion is Uranian because we're opening up our sphere of awareness to the quantum field. And so we are in a quantum state at the moment. Just the fact that we're interacting with each other on a different time scale relative to the mind. Um, but yet within the construct of the non-divisible world, the morphogenic field, we're actually present with each other with no time. Does that make sense? Yes. yes, yes Right. Yes. And that, that to me is that beautiful relationship between the awakening of the Iranian field. It is beyond our senses. Do we get to see and understand reality in a more fractal way? Right. Are you on my fractal and are we digesting reality similar in that way? And that's why, you'll see people that will align with certain things and that's their fractal, right? That's what they're seeing. That's what they're doing, et cetera. Coming back to to this idea of spirituality, well, the the Virgo Pisces age was deeply rooted and enmeshed in seeking God through a monotheistic way, which was there's only one God. There's only one way to spirituality. And so therefore all religions are like this, very top-down heavy. Mm, Transition into the Aquarius age or particularly the onset of the Uranus um, awareness Uh, 1781, the Pluto-Uranus transit that happened in 1965 and where they coincide with in regards to the genetic matrix of the human design chart, and then talking about where we are today in terms of the actual physical experience of people reflecting this transition, we needed to deny religion as a natural evolutionary state because it represented the loss of the self the, the true self, the true Albert and what he really represented and what, he, what, what lit him up, mm. he had to surrender that in order to find and align with some more cosmic truth that was given to you and said, okay, this is your truth. As opposed to the Aquarius age, which is actually no, sorry, outdated, old paradigm. This is what seems to actually create aliveness in me. This is what's real for me. This is the mm. path. And so, as a natural function, psychologically and emotionally, we would also experience fracturing within the family unit. Okay. And this fracturing mm. would mean that we're interfacing between genetic material that is influenced by the outdated end of the line reality, which is follow one God. And so that's that genetic profile and then interfacing with the new genetic profile which says i reject those truths and want to find my own and so on mm. the surface it looks like wow i don't really get along with my family anymore or i don't align with my dad's truths anymore etc yeah, that's what it looks on like at surface but actually beneath that is an emergence of individual truth in other words when mm. you look at the world and i look at the world what do we see that's unique to us and that's the emerging spirituality it's it's radically different from one idea of God. It is an individual sense of truth that is relative, that is for you, you know, and how you perceive it. And if we can agree that we might differentiate in our perceptions and still not feel the need to try and convince each other that that's wrong, then we are truly embodying the new spiritual stage, which is the capacity to sit in a very humanitarian way and say, oh, that's a very interesting cosmological landscape you have. I wonder how that's influenced by your trauma. I wonder how that's influenced by your response mechanisms to life and how you've actually had mystical experiences that you can translate to another person because they're yours Mm. and anchoring that into the physical. And so, you know, in a, in a dovetailing experience, this is about the integration of the feminine, because in EA we talk about this process of evolution is through the body. Right, it's the emotional body, and and so through the emotional body is is that you know the limbic system needs to be able to have an experience emotionally to be able to change the neurochemistry in the brain. We know this already through neuroscience. So we can pontificate the nature of the existence in a very intellectual stratosphere, very masculine kind of their way. But when you come back down to this point and you have a conversation with somebody and you get triggered and you project that process, and you don't own your own shadow, you don't see your feminine, you don't see what you've come here to grow, right? The feminine Mm, is receptive, it's in the darkness, right? So going into that darkness and being transmuted through that, and then coming back out again is the process of the, the metamorphosis that we all have available to us, right? So that's why there'll be a lot of facilitators of embodiment, because in order for us to go into the body, we need to understand what it's about. And that's another thing about Kairos. It's in the moment present with yourself, as opposed to, again, very much pontificating the abstract nature of whatever, and then still having no money to buy your food because you haven't actually, you know, you're disassociated. That's what it was. It was disassociation that led to self-deception yeah
1: that was uh incredible you pretty much you pretty much explained what's going on not just with what's you know out there in the world but with me it's like why am i drawn to this project why am i drawn to these people why am i trying to bring you know the, the more feminine aspect why am i bringing monica like literally monica like she posted on circle on the Rebelism circle like oh. literally right away i'm like hey monica i like you come on my show and right away she's like yeah I'm like what the hell like <laughs> what the hell was that and like that's never happened before just and just like right, right. like all of this is making sense like like again mm-hmm. when you talk about how like uh, we're, we're trying to make room for all these individual truths and it's like the sure. sense making crisis this meaning making crisis and all this is all starting to come together and make sense and oh. I guess it's not surprising what you're doing with your work is like how, trying to bring this lens that people can really uh, resonate with and they, that they can yeah. embody. So uh, that that's has, this has of, been, like, an, an, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's the thing. Like one of the want to do with nomadic nomads? When you talk about how like, it's really easy that we could intellectualize, you know, all this stuff, right? Like I'm not going to name any names, but even in the sense-making space, we have a lot of people you know, going like being like galaxy brains. I'm like, Oh yeah, that sounds real nice. But like, I don't like w- what is coming from that, which is mm-hmm. why with what I'm trying to do here, I'm not, I'm trying to move from sense-making the change-making I'm trying sure. to embody what, mm-hmm. you know, all these people are, are talking about and trying to get people like you out here to help embody people. So yeah, I just want to say, Simon, this has been amazing. This is going to be enlightening, uh, not for just everyone, uh, uh, listening, but when I edit this episode, I'm going to get even more (laughs) embodied and get even more wisdom bombs. So again, uh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Welcome. Loved it. Thanks very much for not only being enthusiastic about the process, but holding the space, you know, Mm. holding the circle for, for two people to share their shared experiences and, and to try and make sense of things in a way that's, um, relative to your own view. So Mm. loved it. Awesome.
1: Awesome and okay, so I'm just gonna end with a quote from I believe one of your favorite astrologers, Dane uh-huh. Rujar. Sorry for butchering that. That's all good. Uh, okay, so so the quote is: the essential purpose of astrology is not so much to tell us what we'll meet on our road, as it is to suggest how to meet it and the basic reason for the meeting. Which quality uh-huh. in us, which type of strength is needed to go through any specific phase of our total enfoldment as an individual person? So that's that kind of embodies what you're doing here what you know what i'm trying to do here so again um do you have any final thoughts before we leave our audience uh left yearning for more from simon Foster <laughs>
0: um yes i i did want to say one one thing quickly just as uh, before we end in terms of uh, like what you were sharing you know the feminine when we allow ourselves to really understand the difference between the masculine process and the feminine process, the insights and awareness that comes from the feminine is so still and it's really beautiful. Mm. And there's very little intellectualization. In fact, there's just stillness. And what permeates from that stillness is a profound metaphysical sensory perception of knowing. And that's something that if we led with, as one of the kind of tools that allows us to navigate and make sense of the world as in how we connect to ourselves and how we develop and bond more with that part of us. That's not wanting to try and rationalize something or try and make sense of it, but to just allow our senses and our emotions to actually be the communicator of that. There's an intelligence that is present so much more profound than our brain's capacity to make sense of things because it's not influenced by set structure of truths or ideologies Mm. or experiences, but more along the lines of what's actually beyond. And it's, it's becoming more in touch with that process that really allows us to see and feel so much more. It's a beautiful place actually, to be honest. So, yeah, I just wanted to add that in terms of what you were talking about there is coming into the feminine and really dropping into that state and allowing that truth to guide us.
1: Mm. Yes, absolutely. Beautiful. Simon, where can people find out more about you, which I'm sure they will want to do after listening to this?
0: Um, our website, Raising Vibrations, there's a hyphen between raising and vibrations. So www raising-vibrations.com. You will find a plethora of information there. We write articles um, on new and full moons to kind of guide and embody the experience. There are schools, my partner teaches human design. There are astrology schools there. There's loads of workshops that I've created uh, for different experiences that you want to understand and learn. So that's a website. Again, lots of content there. Uh, we have an Instagram account where we post daily material that allows you to kind of try to make sense of things that potentially would be happening within your life, uh, just kind of process and keep in touch. So that's Instagram. And that's also just raising, I think that you'll put, a, you'll put a link in, in the description, right? Yeah. So Instagram there, uh, we have a Patreon community. And so if you just go to Patreon and type in Raising Vibrations, you'll find that there's a community that we've created, myself and my partner, and we host that as a very closed space to get more intimate with people that resonate with our work. And there's lots of sort of perks that we offer there with our Patreon community. And of course, the YouTube channel. So again, if you just type in my name and Raising Vibrations, you'll find my YouTube channel. And I wanted to say with that, that anybody that's watching this and you would like videos on describing things you know or trying to make sense of more of the concepts that i'm talking about etc you know feel free to to always just message us and say hey i'm really curious about what you shared over there would you mind creating a video explaining that um at a more deeper level I, I, i always respond to that with um a lot of excitement so uh yeah Mm. Pretty much. Wow. Super
1: generous of you, Simon. Oh my God. Again, you're here, raisingvibrations.com. That's raising with a hyphen, vibrations.com. You have the Instagram, you have the YouTube channel, Patreon. Contact Simon anytime, and he's going to be amazing. He's going to get back to you, give you the content you want. I'll put all those links in the show notes. So, again, thanks so much, Simon, for coming on. You're amazing. You enlighten me and you enlighten the audience, I'm sure. And then (laughs) that's it for another episode of Nordic Nomads. Peace out, everyone, and step up because the world needs you. Okay, goodbye. All righty, we are...